1: You're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host Edward Brown, along with my co-host Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. And, uh, let's see. At every commercial break, we are going to ask a sports trivia question. And by the way,
2: I love your uh, your pen here. I just picked it up, It says the Beverly Hilton. Man, you live large. <laughs>
1: I think I got that at a, at a, a trade show. Oh, honestly. yeah. That's I, a nice I, one. I have to say it, that.
2: Keep it away from me because I'll walk out with it. Okay. Man. It's a silver pen. <laughs> you know what? I
1: keep losing pens. and uh, Now yeah. I know the culprit. Yeah,
2: you I'm, do. I'm, <laughs> I'm a pen thief, man.
1: Why is yeah. that?
2: I don't know. It's. A, it's. A, I think some people have kleptomania. When it comes to pens, I just see one and I don't think about it. I just put it in my pocket. I mean, I really don't. Yeah, Seriously. Don't I've been doing that. For, and then I get home and I go, where did this where thing come from? Where did it come I don't. You know,
1: and then you have to retrace your steps and yeah, give back every pen you ever stole. Oh, jeez!
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Too many, too many. All right. Anyway,
1: so uh, again, at every commercial break, we are going to ask a sports trivia question. And uh, let's see, we're going to have a guest. We don't know if he's going to show up. If we'll, we'll keep it a surprise.
2: Yeah, keep it a surprise. Yeah, so yeah. we want to
1: cover a couple of things, uh, you know, with the, the Raiders going, maybe what will the A's do. Yeah, we'll talk
2: about that. I, I think the fans listening, the people listening, don't really live too much in the Bay Area, but they f- would find it interesting what's going on with our East Bay teams because there are three teams there that are playing. The, the Raiders, the A's, and the Warriors, they all play in the same complex. Two of them are leaving town in a couple of years, and they're going to be gone yeah. forever. One is going across the bridge to, to San Francisco, so it's not that far. The other one's moving to Las Vegas, 500 miles away.
1: That's Crazy,
2: uh, crazy. What a commute. Yeah, that wow. is. Well, some people will make that commute.
1: All right. This segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding over 7.5% secured by California real estate. Doesn't get any more conservative than that? Check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back.
4: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security Disability Benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now. The backyard's looking
5: great, Rob. Thanks, man. I was planning on adding a deck, too. Know any good contractors? Why don't you just ask Home Advisor? Home what? HomeAdvisor.com. You just tell them about your project and they match you with local pros that can do the job. Nice. Now, how much does it cost? Oh, HomeAdvisor's totally free to use. Plus, you can read customer reviews, check pricing, and book appointments for free. What's the website again? HomeAdvisor.com. Or just download the free HomeAdvisor app. HomeAdvisor
4: celebrate summer with vineyards, wine, food trucks, and award-winning performances at Broadway Under the Stars in Jack London State Park. Produced by Transcendence Theatre Company. Broadway Under the Stars has wowed audiences for the last six years in Sonoma Valley. Experience what USA Today named as one of the top outdoor concert venues in America you shouldn't miss. Reserve tickets now to Broadway Under the Stars and make it a romantic date, a girls' night out, or a festive family outing. You'll experience world-class wine and picnicking, while Broadway performers from shows such as Wicked, Mamma Mia, and the Book of Mormon thrill you with song and dance. Under the Stars in Sonoma's Valley of the Moon. Don't miss this award-winning wine country tradition. Experience Broadway Under the Stars this summer in Sonoma's Jack London Park. Reserve your tickets now at bestnightever.org. That's bestnightever.org.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, we're going to start off with talking about uh, teams and the communities. Uh, You know, because you and I were talking off air about how, you know, with the Raiders going uh, to Las Vegas, what are the A's going to do with their stadium? You know, the Warriors moving across the Bay.
2: It's interesting. I mean, how much of an obligation do teams have to their communities? Obviously, not a lot. Um, unless at unless they get unless they get tax free bonds, they get tax-free bonds <laughs> yeah. and they get you know a, a subsidized stadium, yeah. although Absolutely. nowadays it's interesting nowadays most teams are being creative and figuring out ways to build uh, if they need a new stadium they're you know like the Giants for instance, built their own and you know they finally paid it off. Uh, most cities you know are willing to to lay down the red carpet uh, las Vegas is is giving the Raiders a sweetheart of a deal. And, and, you'd be, and they'd well, be foolish.
1: It brings, it brings in revenue.
2: Yeah, well, it brings sure. in revenue. But it's, it'd be foolish for the Raiders not to take the deal. But at the same time, the Raiders are a part of Oakland's soul. Now we can say that, and then so somebody who's true. older like me can say, "Well, they left before you that's know when true. they were a great team in the nineteen seventies and early eighties. They left before." Yeah. So, so it, my wife has always brought me back down to earth. She goes, "Bruce, it's a business, okay? It's not." And I, I keep saying, "Well, it is," but. It's part of the community. It brings in money. It brings in prestige. It it puts bylines in the in the newspaper and on the Internet. Um, people take pride in it. They feel like it's a part of them. So I don't know. It's it's a tough call, and it's sad to see Oakland, which has always been a gritty, hardcore, great sports town with a great uh, history, losing two of its three franchises. I don't know. I mean, I understand it. Why, why would the Warriors want to stay in a 19,000-seat arena when they can move over to the Chase Center, which seats a few more, but they'll also have – seats that are costing twice as much you know why wouldn't they want that to to subsidize what you know they're paying steph curry 35 million a year i mean it just as an example the yeah. the, uh, the amounts the athletes are making these days is obscene but the money is there you know the the tv rights the all the memorabilia that the sells jerseys, uh, jerseys sure. all this stuff it's a huge amount of money
1: so yeah we've talked about this before yeah. uh like <laughs> when we first started the show a few years ago um the idea of you know if a player makes you know thirty five million dollars whatever uh, does that automatically mean the ticket prices will go up? And at first you say well of course, but then you say well but you can't like charge a million you know to make it uh, ridiculous. If you charge a million dollars per ticket, I guarantee you you're not going to sell out right. right. And every seat that doesn't get sell out sold out. You know, so there's some kind of a matrix as to what's the most that could be charged that people will stomach. Well, how
2: much are people willing to pay? Yeah. And if you have a smaller basketball, you know, it only seats the small, The biggest arenas seat about twenty thousand. So, if you have a team that's as good as the Warriors, you know, you know every game's going to be sold out. So you can sell the premium seats for a couple of hundred. Um, and and then you can do of,
1: how much? Well, you can do. You, it depends on who's <laughs> in thousand. town. The, the, the Giants, <laughs>
2: interestingly, uh, interesting story about the San Francisco Giants. They do this sliding scale. When the Dodgers come to town, they charge more for tickets. Yeah. When, uh, say, the um, Kansas, City, Royal, Kansas, Kansas, Kansas City Royals yeah. or Colorado Rockies yeah. come to town, they charge half as much because yeah. they're going to be a lot more fans that want to see the Dodgers yeah. just because of the rivalry. Yeah. So I think a lot of teams are doing that. This sliding scale. It's interesting. I'd, I'd love to get we should get pat gallagher or uh-huh. andy dolich you know on here sometime and if those people out there listening don't know who i'm talking about but these people worked in the front offices of the giants and a's for years in in business and marketing and they know a lot about these things uh, it's fascinating uh, you know you're you're more into business than i am and you understand that you cannot run a business uh, like pro sports and and give the fans you know a break you just can't not in this day and age um, uh, yeah. they, even though the fans are pay, are paying a lot of the freight,
1: um, no, that's that's true. Uh, the, but you also have to look and go. You, you have to do that again. That matrix or whatever, where it says, you know, at some point, it makes sense to raise the tickets enough to where you want a little bit of vacancy. Right. You know, like a hotel room. <laughs> That's right, interesting. Right, I never right, thought right. about that. Yeah. Well, in a sense, because if, if you've sold out, right. then theoretically you could have probably charged a little bit more. Yeah. Right. You know. And so even if you have – I mean, I guess in theory, and I'm just going to throw out a number, if you had out of 20,000, 100 seats mm-hmm. that were vacant mm-hmm. – you probably would have made more money because of what you could have charged for the 19,900 seats, mm. right? You see what I mean?
2: Interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, these things are thought about by people in the know, and yeah. this is what makes these teams run. The, the smart teams think ahead, and, I again, the, the San Francisco Giants won three World Series, and they're, and they're sort of they're feasting off of that today. They're getting the benefit of that even today. They're not getting sellout crowds anymore because the last three years have been sort of hot, hot and cold. But when you win – you know you can it's it's almost like uh, your stock is real high for a while so you can just uh, I wouldn't say coast but you can count on the stock unless it's really volatile it's not going to drop off the table
1: but also the consistency of the team mm-hmm. i mean even if a team is good it's a little frustrating when you go and you go i don't know half the players
2: well that and that's you know? the problem with i think not only sports but the business world in general in america these days there is such a volatility and a change uh, you know Companies buying other companies, mergers, companies yeah. going out of business. And, you know, your average young person today getting into whatever they're getting into. Uh, I read a very alarming statistic the other day. They change jobs every two years. Yeah. Now, that sounds like
1: the what I did
2: in broadcasting when I started my career in, in the 1970s. I had six jobs in five years, but every job was a, a forward step. I went from Auburn, California, to Eureka, California, to Portland, Oregon, to Seattle, Washington, to New York. It was a okay, but that's kind but of but that nature was not of that business. That is, yeah, right? that's the nature of that business, yeah. and I also was very ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> Went a little too far, too fast. I should have stayed in Portland, Oregon. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had a good job there. Did it's a good TV job, but, but you know but, what? But I'm
1: if, s- let's say, let's say you're an attorney. Yeah, now, yeah, and an attorney shouldn't be changed. You having six jobs in five years?
2: Well, and that's the problem. There's no continuity, and yeah. so if you're a manager of any business how do you manage people if you're constantly having turnover it's it's like being in college again with a whole new group of students every semester you know you have to work with new students i don't know how you do it yeah. i mean i think it's sometimes easier to call it, to follow college sports than it is to follow pro sports well, I can't keep track. You know, this is why fantasy football, fantasy baseball are so popular, because they're not following teams. They're following players. players.
1: That's a, you know, that's a really good point.
2: Well, and then Ed, we yeah. mentioned Edwin Jackson, who is a journeyman pitcher. He's on the verge of winning his 100th game. He's pitching with the A's now. Has pitched with 13 big league teams in his career, and he's only pitched for about 14 years. Now, that's an extreme example, but that's what I'm talking about. People don't want to stay loyal to companies that don't feel loyal to them, and fans are the same way. You know, fans, uh, look at the way teams move around in, in pro sports. It doesn't happen so much in baseball, but in football, we've had, I think, nine or ten franchise shifts since the Raiders first left to go to L.A. Oh, yeah. in
1: 1980. Well, now, let me ask you, the, uh, you mentioned about people don't want to stay with teams if they're not loyal to them. Is, right. Is it, could it be maybe the other way around? Right? Oh, I
2: think it's strictly a matter of money. I, I don't no,
1: we're, we're, I'm sorry. What I mean is is the uh it's not so much that the player says I want to get traded, right. it's the team that says we're going to trade oh, you. Oh,
2: yeah, no, players, you know, with rare exception, are looking for opportunity as as anybody should. Um in the old days, you know, you were stuck with a team and you may like it, but you were pretty much a slave, I hate to say it. I mean, yeah. you you signed one-year contracts and that all changed and free agency has been good for the athletes it's been good for competitive balance too because it makes teams have to work a lot harder just to stay competitive because yep. they're losing players left and right every year but i think it's taken something away from the game that the identity of of a city with a team oh, yeah. and because
1: um, even, even if the team wasn't that good if they're really terrible yeah. you know like there was a time when Tampa Bay Rays you know even though they're still considered a new franchise I mean, they were getting maybe eleven thousand
2: people. No, they still are. <laughs> are, they, are they? Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, they're getting fifteen thousand. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, that's a little better. <laughs> maybe they should play. Uh, they got twenty. Bas- they got twenty-seven thousand for the Yankees the other day. Wow. Yeah.
1: Maybe they should play in a basketball arena. Yeah. Maybe a laser. Yeah. Easier. yeah. But, if, but if they go ahead and have, um, you know, a, 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 just any kind of a decent team, because even the Giants would still have a lot of crowds, which yeah. weren't good because they you know, probably because of consistency. Uh, I agree. Tell I you agree. what, we're gonna cut to our first commercial break here. <clears throat> What is the fastest MMA knockout of all time?
2: Oh, jeez. That's a good one.
1: How many minutes? Or how many seconds? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> That's seconds. Probably seconds. All right. That's our trivia question. Uh, yeah, we got one. Uh, the, we got the question there. We're going to have a, uh, an auto race one, and then we're going to have um, a sort of a football question. Okay, now, sort of. Uh, sort of, yeah. Okay. It's a very different eclectic question. There you go. All right, that's our trivia question. What is the fastest MMA knockout of all time? Don't touch that dial, Sports tcon One Hundred and One. We're going to be right back. We don't have a guest, but stay with us because Bruce and I are having a lot of fun.
6: Call now for your free face-to-face consultation. 800-813-9940. 800-813-9940. 800-813-9940.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. First trivia question, what is the fastest MMA knockout of all time?
2: I don't follow the MMA, but I'm guessing probably within a, a minute.
1: You no, know, you have to guess how many seconds. 16? One second. Yeah, one punch, boom, you're done. <laughs> That's nah, I was going to say, I should have I figured March that out. March 15, 2014, uh. Mike Garrett knocked out Sam Herron. In, or Huron in one second, and if you watch it, it just gives them a quick kick to the neck, and it's yeah. all over. <laughs> I
2: don't, I don't follow that sport at all, and I'm not disrespecting those guys because they're great athletes, but I just find it it's kind of a blood sport to me, oh, and yeah. I, I just don't find it very enjoyable well, to watch haters. people beating. Uh, yeah, I don't find you know watching people beat the crap out of each other that doesn't appeal to me, even though there's a lot of talent and skill involved, yeah. and these guys are tough. That's not uh, you know it's kind of like we grew up as kids watching. Wrestling? Wrestling, yeah. You know, and it wasn't the wrestling you see in the the Olympics. It was just the the Showtime stuff. And those guys were knocking each other around, but a lot of it was theatrical. These guys are not – they're not pulling any punches. They're kicking the crap out of each other. Oh, yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, like boxing's got a little bit more finesse. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think some people like that more. Yeah. yeah.
2: I like boxing. I I don't follow it anymore because it's so split up. There's so many different, you know uh, (laughs) – So many different titles, I can't keep track of it. Oh, but, yeah. I, I, you know, sport, boxing is, is been around forever. Yeah. And it's really, they call it the sweet science. I mean, look at the the incredible athletes we've had. But MMA, again, not to knock those guys. I don't want anybody out there listening to think I'm an old fuddy. dad. I just don't like seeing people, you know, boxing is a little different. Yeah, they're hurting each other. They're hitting each other. But there's some finesse involved. There's a skill involved. And there's a skill in kicking people and jumping on people and doing all that stuff. But I just find it uh, distasteful. I, I really do. I, I'm, and I, it reflects a lot of the things I don't like That's about America today, sad. which is this um, react. And again, I don't want to get off on a tangent on this, but it's this um, reaction we have now to violence. It's just, uh, you know, video games and yeah. blow them up, shoot them up movies, it, you know, comic book type movies with cardboard cutout characters. It's just. Well, I got some bad
1: news for you. I think it's going to only get more popular. Oh, it is more
2: popular, and I think that's one of the problems with a lot of kids today. They're just so wrapped up in it, they can't see reality. They're looking at they're looking at comic books and comic books on television or the internet, which is basically the same thing.
1: You know, I remember a story. Gosh, I guess it's probably I'm, I'm getting 20, old. <laughs> well, this is probably twenty years ago. Yeah, this kid who weighed about 150 pounds, and I think I don't think it was his sister. I think it was a neighbor kid. Uh, she was only, you know, there, he was like oh, 11, story. So he was yeah. 7 or whatever, yeah. he, and he did one of those wrestling moves on and her, killed like, her. And he killed her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I know.
2: Yeah, I know. I mean, I, it's again, not to get off on a political rant on this thing, but I, I just find MMA. Um, I, I don't pay any attention to it. I never have. I never will.
1: So even with the uh, Conor McGregor and Floyd no. Mayweather
2: no. thing, now you know that is a little different because those yeah. guys, you know, pl- uh, are involved in a sport that's been around a long, long time since the early part of the 19th century. But. No, but I
1: mean when, when Conor McGregor for MMA... Oh, for right, yeah, uh, uh, right, 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 right. So yeah, that
2: that whole thing was kind of silly. But, it, you know, they're trying... I mean, I understand why they're doing it. They're, they're trying to pump their sport up sure. and get a lot of noise and nonsense. You know, that's what we all do. I like, mean,
1: how many gazillions were made for each one?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, hey, and, and whatever floats your boat, you know.
1: <laughs> well, the interesting thing, too, is whatever the trash talk that went between them, it seemed like at the very end mayweather kind of had extra respect for connor for kind of hanging in there right? yeah. and connor kind of had the same respect for uh flyers, mayweather's you know? a strange
2: bird though isn't he i mean he's i think he's he's had an amazing career but oh, he yeah. is a strange dude i just don't get him i i think he's just well he's like a lot of athletes you know that they get so good at what they're doing that they can't they don't have a perspective on, on what's going on because they're just so wrapped up in their own world which you know I understand it, but it's, it's kind of sad.
1: Well, you know what I thought was really interesting? I think we mentioned this a few years ago when they had um, – they, they were talking about athletes and money and that, all that kind of stuff. And, and when they interviewed Floyd Mayweather, the, the thing that was really interesting was, you know, he basically – you know, he makes – because he makes a lot of money, yeah. right? And, and yet he could kind of see this entourage sort of feeling going on. And he kind of said, you know what? Hey, I'm the guy – who has to go out and train and then mm-hmm. get, you know, kicked and not kicked, but, you know, my yeah. head ca- beaten in and back and forth. Sure. And and I, I really kind of actually appreciated that because, you know, a lot of times people go, oh, is you know, or LeBron James. Okay, now he doesn't get beaten up per se. You know, I mean, he gets <laughs> a little, little bit of back and forth sure, with players. Sure. But he's the guy who's training. Yeah. He's the guy who's putting all the hours into yeah, practice. that's right. And, yeah, he's been blessed with, um, with talent. But you got to work at no, it. No, you
2: got to work at it. Yeah, no, there's no substitute for hard work. And I think, you know, Americans, I think generally speaking, are hardworking people, and I think we appreciate that, and we appreciate that in our athletes. But, um, you know, there's a there's a perspective you have to have, and it's hard when you're doing one thing and one thing only, you're doing it really well for a long time. You're, you know, you're sort of narrow focus. It's really hard, you know. I want to change the subject here? For yeah, yeah, okay, sure.
1: So I've had this written down, but I, but in the last few shows we just never got around <laughs> to it. So apparently Nike did not respect Steph Curry enough to pr- pronounce his name correctly. They called him Stefan, like Stefan Murray. Oh, sure. May- Mayberry. Didn't even know after, Marbury you know,
2: I mean, it. his name has been announced how many times on I know, television. I, I know, exactly. You'd and think some of their PR people or publicity people would know.
1: But it gets better because what they did was they ended up showing a picture of Durant with Steph's name on it. Like, hey Steph, when we hey Stephon, when we uh, put you up here, this is you know, and they showed a picture of Kevin Durant. Oh my gosh! So, oops, I forgot to change the uh, change out the slide. Yeah. So after he stopped, so he decided, yeah, you know what? I don't think these guys really know me enough and mm. respect me enough. So he uh, ended up signing with, Ar- Ar- Armour Under Armour. Yeah, right? yeah,
2: interesting. I didn't know that story. Why he uh, he didn't sign with them? Well, you know, hey.
1: But but so let's get this. So Ar- Under Armour stock jumped from 47 to 120 wow when he signed with them wow and so the the stock value basically went from 14 billion to 28 billion in two years well
2: you know another reason why these athletes are making scads of money and that's money he's making outside of the warriors the good news is a lot of these athletes kevin Durant is one of them have put a lot of money into foundations for instance he's put money into an educational foundation for young people in his hometown. I think it's Washington, outside of Washington, Washington D.C. D. C., yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, it makes sense. You know, you get a tax deduction. But, I mean... I'm glad to see athletes doing that. It's a smart thing to do, rather than just fritter it away. Because how much do you need? As John D. Rockefeller always used to say, just a little more.
1: Yeah, or in the, <laughs> in the movie Wall Street, you know. The guy, top, yeah, I know.
2: Uh, I know you're talking about it. he He parroted uh, John D. Rockefeller, just a little more.
1: Yeah. Well, no, what I was going to say is uh, Charlie Sheen asks uh, Michael Douglas, a, a.k.a. Gordon Gekko. Right. He says, uh, how many How many yachts can you water ski behind?
2: Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, That's true. It's true. It's a you know, there's a certain uh argument, I, you know, we become obsessed with having things and how many things do you really need? Well what, what to be it, happy.
1: Didn't Jack Clark for, who played for the Giants, didn't he have like twenty two uh sports cars or something, it, something like that? Something yeah. like well Reggie
2: Jackson had like eighty in a in a he kept them in a um a garage and I doubt if he took many of them out very often. I have a relative, I'm not going to mention his name, he has something like 60 or 70 in a garage. <laughs>
1: that's a big garage.
2: Yeah. No, I mean and, and it's he pays for and he pays he has a guy that he pays full time to take care of these cars. Yeah. So yeah. But, he but he's a Brian. very he's a very wealthy guy and that's is one of his hobbies. See, I this is one of the interesting things about wealthy people. And I've grown up around some of these people. Oh, yeah. and they're interesting, but they're kind of a different breed, you know. You know, know,
5: and
1: it's interesting too that when people get wealthy, because again, I know I know people who have worked for people like right. this too. It's amazing how they can get very very nitpicky about certain things. And nope, yeah. got to do it all over again. There, yeah. there was a guy who was a woodworker, and he worked for someone who was a multi-billionaire, mm-hmm. and one little thing went wrong. Nope, got to do it all over again. I and think the end. worst
2: thing though, Edward, is when when somebody grows up and they didn't earn the money and it's given to them, and then they have no sense of value, yeah. uh, and they don't really feel good about themselves.
1: Yeah, and I really got to blame the parents for
2: that because, yeah. you know, how
1: do you just stick a kid in something and just uh, just expect it
2: yeah. from them? No, you don't. You have, to, you have to sit down with them and spend time. The thing is you have to spend time and teach them and, and show them love but also show them the way and uh, – you know, our generation, my generation, the baby boomers. Um, you know, I think we f- we we failed in some respects because we had it so good in the nineteen sixties. Yeah, there were a lot of things going on, but so many so many people had it so good. And look at the rate of divorces now oh, yeah. in in the United States compared to say our parents' age. Now, granted, it was a different world. Women didn't have the kind of rights they had, and you know there were no, fewer choices. Stuff, yeah. yeah, but still, I stuff, mean, yeah. people just look at marriage as a disposable. Condition and I think that's one of the. Again, we're talking sports here, but I think it's one of the problems that happens a lot in in sports. It does. It's like
1: for my kids, you know, if if they think that they're going to get my twelve thousand dollar net worth without working hard (laughs) for it, they
2: got (laughs) another thing coming. I had a. I I think I've told you this. My grandfather was a very famous movie producer in the nineteen thirties and forties in Hollywood. He produced a lot of films with John Ford and Alfred Hitchcock and and he made a ton of money but he was a socialist interestingly enough and he believed that he didn't need to give the money he gave a certain amount to his kids not too much but most of it he gave to the to UCLA to develop their film and theater school and they've got a, one of the best theater and film programs in the country because of his endowment did they which name, is, name it after Yeah he's got a theater named after him well, that's what's where the, what's McGowan Hall. It's on UCLA campus. And when he uh, passed in 1963, and we went to his uh, memorial, that's where they held it. And that was kind of dedicated that week. And it's, uh, you know, I, I like seeing people do things like that. But I just think it's hard, you know, if you come from nothing, all of a sudden, you get a bunch of money to have that perspective. So he
1: he wouldn't have uh, given money to Trump's campaign. Probably not. Okay, yeah. here's, our, here's our second. Hey, Trump, Trump didn't need it, did he? No, he yeah. didn't. Yeah, kind of a funny thing about that. Yeah. Okay, uh, second trivia question: Who holds the war, the record for the most NASCAR wins?
2: Hmm, that's and, a good and, one. And it'll be somebody, I should know, you know that one. I
1: should yes. know. In fact, it's so funny. I remember when Steve Forbes ran for president yeah. and he was asking for campaign donations, and I go, Steve Forbes, I go, isn't that the Forbes family? Isn't he like uber rich? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's our. Uh, you never tri- can have enough. That's right. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> just okay. a little more. Just, just a little, little more. more. Okay. Come Who, on. Come on. Here's our trivia question again. Who holds a record for the most NASCAR wins? Uh, email edward at sports econ101.com. The answer to that question. All right. That We're going to be right back. I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. Second trivia question, who holds the record for the most NASCAR wins?
2: I bet you somebody out there would know the answer. You know, I I love Jeff Gordon because he's from the Bay Area. But I don't think he's the record holder. No. no, who is it? Richard Petty. Oh, of course. Yeah. 200, 200 wins. Jesus. Was he Hard the guy name? with the hat? Yeah, he was amazing. <laughs> Richard Petty. Richard Petty. <laughs> what a what a great guy. Yeah. Great great athlete. I mean, I, I I give you the honestly, I think uh the race car drivers whether it's stock or Indy car or whatever, those guys are athletes because they have to be in prime condition. You don't see any fat fat ass guys sitting in the in the cockpit of those cars. Well
1: it wouldn't get that many miles
2: per gallon if you did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but no, but it's true. No, I mean, they have to be in good shape. I mean seriously. That is worth of well, think about it. You're sitting in a in, in a little tiny cockpit area, and you're you're laser focused, yeah. and, and for you're drafting behind somebody at 120 miles an hour. You know, I mean,
1: don't take your eyes off the road.
2: No, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I'm out on the freeway out here in San Francisco Bay Area, and it's gotten crazy. And yeah. I'm I feel like a race car driver. I'm watching my rear view, my side view all the time. I've always driven this way.
1: I, I drive a scooter, and I definitely feel like oh, that. <laughs>
2: man, you are a brave man. Driving a scooter. Well, of course you're doing the side streets, but the side streets are more dangerous. They're more dangerous than the freeway. You're on the freeway. freeway. I was going eighty-five.
1: I was going eighty-five miles an hour yesterday on a scooter. Don't tell my wife.
2: Oh my god. I
1: mean, it's a scooter. It's a motorcycle. Motorcycle. Okay. But but the thing is, everybody calls it a scooter because. You don't uh, straddle. You you're know.
2: like my father-in-law. He's the same. Well, he finally stopped doing it a couple of years ago. He's in his 70s now. But, uh, yeah, it's a big thrill, I guess. You know? I
1: know. I kept thinking about that. Like, how long can I do this for?
2: Well, hey, listen. Yeah. I was out catching waves yesterday. Seriously. Yeah, I was I was body you. surfing. I do this a lot. I mentioned this on the show. And we had a series of swells a day, a couple of days, where the waves are unusually large yeah. for this time of the year. And it was kind of a... It almost looked like a stormy day. The waves were breaking uh, unevenly. There was a lot of rip current. There was a lot of t- current in the water. I'm out there with a few guys and I just got hammered. I yeah. had a good time. I didn't get hurt, okay. but the waves just tossed me left and right. And I thought, you know, this isn't what I wanted to do, but I'm having a good time just being out here in the water. And I'm yeah. 66 years old. So, you know, and these waves weren't that big, they were like six, seven foot. You know, which is big enough. That's
1: sure, and they're I mean, thick
2: enough. Believe me, they can toss they can <laughs> toss you around. So well,
1: last uh, last Sunday, uh, our church was going to have a, a bonfire basically uh-huh. uh, at um, Muir Beach. Oh, nice! And yeah. they, they they sent a quick email or text to everyone canceling it because they said the surf is just too big and it's just too dangerous. Well, so I'll, tell, big, I'll tell you, I'll tell you
2: something. Mere Beach rarely gets big surf, and when it does, that's the place to go to surf because that's I've I've been there only one time. This is a, a beach that's right near Muir Woods National Monument in Marin County, just north of San Francisco. I've been there one time where the waves were too big, wow. and it, uh, believe me, um, summertime even on a big day, it's not going to get too big. But it better be. Some people don't really think when they go next to the ocean that they could get swept out to oh, sea, and it can happen if you're not if you're not careful, if you don't know what the heck you're doing. I go in the water a hundred times a year, so I understand. Yeah. I understand tides, and I understand you know the bottoms of the ocean. What you know the, the certain areas where there's different currents and, and what the waves are doing, you got to read what's going on out there if you're a surfer. You have to understand that. It's almost like being a meteorologist uh, with the weather.
1: Does the wintertime give you better? Oh surf- much better Such
2: much better surf. The water's colder, but the wa- waves are much better, uh, simply because of the fact that there's no onshore wind when you get a, and unless there's a, 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 a storm, onshore wind blows the surf down and, and disorganizes. What you want is wind that's blowing offshore or no wind. And that means the waves will be nice and smooth, and you'll be able to have a lot more fun. Huh. Well, I was and thinking, they're bigger, and they're bigger too in the wintertime. Really? Okay. Yeah, because of the storms out so, in the Pacific. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I was taking my scooter out. I did it to Stinson Beach, and I did. Oh, oh be, you go over I, the Panoramic
2: I, Highway? Yeah, that's a that's a trip. It's
1: great taking yeah. it on a scooter. I mean, yeah. it, it, in a car, it's a kind of a pain because you know.
2: Well, there's not that much traffic either. My, you know, the, yeah. the Panoramic Highway doesn't. You know, you don't have too many people going over that thing, which is great. I I I, I used to hike along. The ridge uh, on Matt Davis Trail, right nearby there. And as a matter of fact, when we scattered my mom's ashes, she was going to be ninety-five last week. My sister and I hiked Matt Davis all the way out to the beach, and then all the way back up to th- to the shoulder of Mount Tam. Took about. And we had lunch down there and scattered our ashes in the ocean. It was great. It would have been, like I said, her 95th birthday. Wow. I thought that was the, the nice way to yeah. to kind of give her a send-off. Because you know, she died last December, and it was you know, six, seven oh, yeah. months after she died. It's time to, to get rid of the ashes. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, she would have appreciated that. Sure.
5: Although my sister held
2: on to a little bit because she wants to have her around the house so she can talk to her. Aww, <laughs> that's, that's sweet. That's kind of sweet. That's kind of yeah. sweet. You know, it sounds kind of, some people out there will say, that's weird. Well,
1: no. No, it's only weird if she talks back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think? We're she bad. had a great life. I mean, 95. Whew, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. Hey, moving on here. Yeah. Back to sports for just a minute. Back to sports, okay. yeah. So
1: Open champion uh, Francesco 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 uh, Molinari right. is part of a growing trend in golf. Top players are giving up Endorsement money Mm. for more control over their game. Interesting. The increased purses players are playing for means mean the extra income from the endorsements is becoming less important. Mm. So for the guys at the very top of the game, uh, for for at least the guys at the very top of the game, at least right. So also technological uh, changes are happening so rapidly that a player doesn't want to be beholden to one club manufacturer if he can help it. If you're beholden to a certain manufacturer and cannot play well with those clubs.
2: You're no screwed. playing...
1: Poorly, yeah. And then you're
2: gonna lose the endorsements anyway. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not a huge golf fan. My dad was a big golfer, played in college. But I, I have to say, I watched a little bit of that British Open, and to see Tiger Woods in contention, even though you knew he yeah. probably wasn't going to make it, that was that was good for the game. And I, I was here, I was happy to hear Justin Spees say, "Hey, I like seeing Tiger up there in the board. That that made it more fun, more competitive. You know, that's good. Yeah, it so, yeah. a, a good comment. Yeah. So
1: I yeah, was thinking about that. It's like because uh, I remember even in other sports, you know, even bowling. I mean, you'd have a situation where, um, I mean, I, I'm this gosh this is going back to the 70s yeah you know they'd they'd get little endorsements for wearing a wrist wristband oh sure sure and um the problem though is that if you're not used to it you're not going to bowl well yeah same thing with 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 golf if you're you're not going to hit well with a certain club unless they're going to pay you gazillions of dollars it doesn't it's not worth it
2: yeah i i can see that and you know uh in skiing, for instance, another thing. I mean, if you're you're working with, say, some company that makes this new type of ski, but you don't feel comfortable in that skiing, yeah. and you're, uh, you know, you're trying to make the, the Olympic team, and you're on the downhill, you know, you're or you're doing the giant slalom or whatever, and you got the skis that just don't feel. That know. could be dangerous. That could <laughs> be. See, basketball's a little different. Shoes. I know shoes. You want to feel comfortable in your shoes, but yeah. I mean, most most shoe manufacturers make pretty good. For the, for, the, for the NBA athlete, most of the shoes are pretty good. It doesn't matter sure. what company you go to. Then
1: that's a good point. You know. Now, if he gets like uh, Carmelo Anthony with a headband, see, different headbands, it won't matter, right? Carmelo
2: Anthony, a great athlete, great player, but man, has he ever won any? Has he ever no. even been to the finals? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think, think so. I don't think so. How long has he been around? He's been around about 14 years. Again, yeah. I, uh, far be it for me to, to take shots at somebody like that. I mean, he's at the top of his profession. Charles Barkley was in one NBA finals. With the Phoenix Suns, and they got beaten by Michael Jordan's Bulls. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you can be a great athlete, but you don't necessarily get to the. You know, Ernie Banks never played in the World Series. Yeah, that was you know. Kind of sad. How about Jim Kelly, who has survived cancer? Yeah, four, four, in a row. four in a row in the Super Bowl, and he loses all of them. All of them.
1: Two to the same team. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the way,
2: did you see his speech a couple of weeks ago on ESPN? He yeah. was getting some kind of award, I think, for courage. And, you know, he's had a real battle with cancer. I guess he had it in his mouth or something, and mm. it was really powerful. It was very, very, um, I look that up. you know, kind of, kind of, yeah, you should check it out. I'm sure it's on, uh, you know, you can just YouTube. Google Jim Kelly Espies and you'll get the great speech. It's, it's. See, th- those are the kind of things I like about sports, where you see people fighting through adversity and and making it, you know, and, and, and sh- showing a little appreciation for uh you know other people. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about.
1: Well, it's funny. The espies I uh, I heard that Danica I, I didn't watch them, but uh, I, I I usually heard, don't either. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know I think I watched the first one or two. Well, I was
2: I was watching it only because I had to watch it because I was yeah. working <laughs> at the radio station and I had it on. and there was no game at night, so you know. Well, and,
1: Jim Valvano did a great. Job oh yeah, that's the
2: that's the, that's one, the one we same, always remember exactly. And but, that was that was like over twenty five years, years ago. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. But yeah. Uh, so Danica Patrick though. Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest problems, you know, she she really got kind of hammered because some of the jokes weren't funny. Yeah. But also, if you look at her, she's, if she's looking, she looks like she's just reading it. Mm. And I think if she would have just off the cuff, like just kind of had some general idea and sure, just sure. did it off the cuff, yeah. it probably would have come off better. Yeah. You know, but. Mm. Well, you know, it's
2: hard to be natural and, and comfortable. And not all athletes, you know, have that gift of gab. uh uh, it was interesting. Um, the, the A's had a player; I won't mention his name back in the 1980s, who couldn't even read and write. And the A's ownership was so aghast that they hired special tutors for him and spent a whole year with him. So he he was a smart guy. He just never he yeah. never got out of eighth grade. I mean, he was from a really rough background, but he was a great athlete and one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. And you know, he's, he's yeah, since eight, passed.
1: But in eighth grade, they.
2: Well you know some people who knows something. He might he might have had some kind of learning disability well, he might have had a home situation where he just couldn't study whatever yep. there's a lot of illiterate people out there and this was this guy was a good athlete and the A's ownership re- recognized this and they hired a tutor and worked with him for a year and got him to learn how to read and write well, and
1: well you remember Lester Hayes had a speech uh, in oh pattern. my god the first time yeah. he was interviewed the the interviewee uh, inter- interviewer uh, was like Oh my gosh! I, I didn't yeah. even realize this. It was really poor. I was really It was after they the won vote. the Super
2: Bowl in 1980. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and
1: so he he took speech lessons. Yeah, no, and amazing. you listen to him
2: today. Now he's had some uh, some tough times with you know the aftermath of playing 13 years in the N- NFL, but he's doing okay. But okay. yeah, no, he he had a major uh, stuttering problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I was Tom Brookshire, the late great Tom Brookshire. Oh, was it, it was his? It yeah, the, the former Philadelphia Eagle who was working for years with Pat Summerall on CBS, mm-hmm. and they were interviewing him after the game and. And Lester just couldn't get the words out, and everybody was like, oh, man. But Lester, you know, it's funny. You look at Lester's face. He wasn't embarrassed. He was trying to get those words out, you know, give Give him credit. for him. Yeah, yeah.
1: Listen, he's famous for stick a
2: (laughs) a, That reminds me. I had a a college tutor in mass communications, not in broadcasting, who had a terrible stuttering problem. Not that bad, but, I mean, it was bad enough. But he was so good. He was such a good teacher that we didn't mind it. Really? Yeah. He, it, it, he would go, uh, 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 and then he would get back into it. It didn't last very oh, long. Would
1: drive me crazy. Well,
2: no. I mean, he was he was such a good guy. He, he really enjoyed having the students participate. He was likable. He was smart. He was funny, and so we put up with it. It wasn't a big deal. Okay. So I had a political science professor
1: one time, and this guy kept saying, uh, da, 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 uh, uh-huh. uh. and it was so annoying. I. Could not concent- concentrate except uh, for count how many uhs. And how about you knows or likes? Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> is the word that I. it My that's
2: daughter crazy. does that. I say stop. <laughs> like what? Like like what? You know what?
1: Well, that's the thing is I'd say, uh. I say when I was a kid, I'd say you know, my dad would stop. He goes, no, I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the, here's the funny thing is that I was counting how many uhs, and I didn't think that anybody even paid attention. They do. But, but no, but here's the deal students around me, they noticed I was making little yeah. tick marks. Yeah. And every time the guy would say, oh, I'd kind of glance over and one of them point the finger up like, did you get that one? They may not <laughs> notice it
2: right on the surface, but you do, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because when I cut up uh, post game sound interviews from athletes, a lot of times it's nobody's problem you know no, don't blame anybody for it but their their syntax their the way they present themselves they, they there's a lot of pauses there's a lot of uncomfortable uh, uh you know and i cut those little sections out and i, I, I can get a good a good 20 second soundbite down to 12 seconds and get the same wow. thing i need good and when you. You, well when you only have 2 minutes to, to talk about sports every half hour well, you got to keep your you got to keep it short and to the, the point so i i like
1: chris weber uh when he does the nba games from the standpoint of you know his knowledge and his personality but what drives me crazy when he says and he took it to his self
2: oh, don't, yeah. you know,
1: there's no such word as himself well this is what
2: happens when you hire former jocks to be commentators you're going to have to put up with that and that's been i remember when that first started happening in the in the late 60s most of the guys that were ex-jocks were pretty well spoken and well read it's different now yeah. they they want the big names on there, and most of these guys, you know, they're good talkers. But some of them, they they still fracture the English but language. He
1: went to Michigan. That is a real college, isn't it? <laughs> he learned something, even if it's communications. I know. I know. But no offense. Listen, yeah. Chris Weber.
2: You know, good guy. You, uh, you I, although did, uh, I, he yeah. did wreck the Warriors, I, I will hold it I, out against him. I, I, he, and that Don, he and Don Nelson together wrecked the Warriors in, in the mid nineties, and yeah. they never recovered. For well, it took them a long time to recover. It took them twenty years almost. Uh, yeah. and new That's ownership. True. That's true. Yeah.
1: No, Chris, he was a, he was a he was a good player, but it just
2: yeah. It did he ever play in a championship? No, no, no. no, no he, he played in the fin- he played in the conference finals with Sacramento. Yeah. yeah he did no, make that, it that far. Okay, really quickly. Yeah.
1: Who was on the cover of the first Madden football game?
2: Oh, man, got me.
1: You, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, time. yeah, yeah, I okay. know what you're talking about. All right, don't touch that dial. SportsCenter <laughs> 101 will be right back. All
2: right.
3: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063, 800-957-6063.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Last trivia question was...
2: Had to do with... Uh,
1: who was the co- who was on the cover of the first Madden football game?
2: Uh, was Barry Sanders, maybe? No. Quarterback?
1: No. Defensive
2: lineman? No. Linebacker? (laughs) No. Madden? Yes. Yeah, there you go. John
1: Madden himself was on. You know, our
2: station, John Madden, we're the only broadcast station, KCBS in San Francisco, that actually still has John Madden on the air. He's on every Monday and Friday uh, in the morning, and then we replay him. He is. He's wonderful. (laughs) He's 80 years old. He's still sharp as a tack. He had some heart problems. He got a... You know, on operation he's doing all right. He's hanging in there and he's just enjoying life now. Taking it easy. Good good for him. Yeah, good, good man. Great coach. Yeah, oh yeah. coach. No, you know I somebody know asked him about are you a You know, John, are you, what do you think of these whistles, you know, because they had these weird whistles at this um, lacrosse tournament or or a rugby tournament the other day and they were they were playing them. John says, "I was never a whistle man. I don't like whistling at people." Yeah, oh. you know, and then somebody said, "Oh, you yell at people a lot." He goes, "Yeah, I catch their attention better when I yell at them."
1: There you go. Yeah, yeah. He also didn't like the refs' of his, uh, whistles. No. Now, he did okay, not. now here's, the, here's <laughs> a little trivia here. Who was the Who was the first player who was on the Madden? Football? I was
2: going to say somebody like Barry, Sam- a big name. It's got to no, be a big name. No, no, not, really no, not that big. Okay, who Gar- was it? Garrison
1: Hurst. Garrison of the Hurst. I, he had Having some great name, moments. But, you know, the thing about yeah.
2: Garrison Hurst, real soft spoken. I never inter- never was able to get an interview with him. Very quiet, very shy.
1: Oh, okay. Might have been one of those guys
2: that, like Lester Hayes, maybe he had a stutter, maybe he just didn't like the limelight. Maybe. Yeah.
1: All right, here's our thoughts for the day. Always end the day with a positive thought. No matter how hard things were, tomorrow is a fresh opportunity to make it better. I like that. You like that. I always come up with these ones. I know they'll put you in a good mood. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I'm always in a good mood when I leave here. Oh, well. That's and when good. I come here, see. Okay, oh, that's good. And that's my wife calling and that's me again. That's your wife.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and one small positive thought in the morning can change the entire outcome of your day. You like that, too?
2: I do. I do.
1: Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So
2: long. All right. I better get out of here. Sorry. Sorry.